And now it's time for Blossoms of My Life Radio with your host, Ramona Trevino. Ramona is a teacher, a pastor, a three-time author, and radio host since February 2018, helping people share their but God moment and helping people see and be the blossoms in life. This program is a production and sponsored by Blossoms of My Life Radio Ministry and listeners like you. This week's guest is Evangelist Michelle Wright. Now here's Ramona. Thank you for tuning in to Blossoms of My Life Radio. This weekend, I'm excited to be able to share with you a sister that I met a couple months ago also. Um, she is from Turlock, and she is Evangelist Michelle Wright. How are you, Michelle? I'm excited. I'm excited, Woo. too. <laughs> I'm excited, too. The I Lord know. is on the move, and it's just exciting to see what he's going to do next. Oh, it's just, I know every day is going to be something new, right? And, you know, we're in this new year, 2022, and I know I shared with you my birthday's you know, this this show's yeah. going to air in April, and so those of you that are listening, my birthday was on February 22nd, 2022, and so I'm just excited. I'm excited to be able to share a little bit about you. You have so many things that would take way more than 30 minutes. We know that. <laughs> Yes. So we're going to depend yes. on the Holy Spirit to help us to just highlight some things that are important for our listeners to hear. So let's go ahead and start. You know, um, we were talking a little bit before we came on the air about the, you know, sometimes we go to church with the routine of it, the customs of it, um, but we haven't met Jesus yet. And then we get, right. and, 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 and then we find out, that there's a Holy Spirit that we could actually, you know, invite into us as well. Now, we, we have the Holy Spirit that comes at salvation, but there's that activation of the Spirit that is so yeah. important. And I know with me personally, I had to be, that Spirit had to be activated in uh, 2012, 13 is when that happened. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that with you. When did that activation, okay. ha you know, happen and how did that take? And I know there's other things that, that really, really impacted your lives, um, you and your husband. So I want to talk a little right. bit about that, too. Right. Um, well, I was born and raised into a family that was Lutheran, um, but we didn't go to church regularly, but we did go every Easter and Christmas for sure. Um, we moved a lot. My dad was in the Air Force. And um, anyways, when we when we uh, got to Turlock, I was uh, was the summer of my 11th birthday. And we had been living in Europe prior to that, mostly off and on. And so we came to Turlock and my parents got really involved in the Lutheran Church there. And I got involved with, um, you know, going to catechism and um you know learning things but it was it was um not enough <laughs> you know i i didn't know any better but at the same time it, it really wasn't making an impact on my life mm -hmm. yes i was a good girl i i uh, i always tried to be the good girl in the family you know but as i got older um things happened in my life and i started changing and questioning um, I went more towards the side of science, especially when I got to college. I really had a lot of questions about God and the Bible, and um, because I 
I was really into biology and I wanted to be a marine biologist. So I was taking all these science classes and um, my relationship with God just sort of went on the back burner, but I'd go to church on Christmas and Easter, you know, and then um, I had this compassion, though, for the nations and people that were, um, you know, from third world countries, and that grew into something that was always in the back burner, and um, I ended up getting married right after college, and my husband was uh, a, a believer uh, was raised Baptist, but he didn't go to church. He didn't have a real personal relationship with God either. You mm-hmm. know, we both became alcoholics and, uh, God wasn't part of our family life except for Christmas and Easter. We'd go to please our parents, you know, to church, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up getting sober first. And with what little I remembered from Sunday school, you know, um, there came a point where um, I had been so dissatisfied in my marriage with who my husband was becoming as an alcoholic that one day the Lord spoke to me in my kitchen, and my friends will attest to this, God speaks great in my kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the kitchen, um, anyway, all of a sudden, it was the first time I heard the audible voice of God, and it was pull the plank out of your own eye. And that got me to, you know, here I was um, angry and upset that my marriage was the way it was because of my husband's drinking. And the Lord said, take the plank out of your own eye. And so I ended up um, leaving for the weekend. And um, I went to my husband's uh, family. They lived down south and they were strong Christians that were um, praying people, and um, they were uh, at a Wednesday night church service that they took me to, and something happened that night where I, as an adult, finally made a choice to um, give it all to God, and I basically said, um, if you can take the desire to drink away from me this coming weekend, which would have been Memorial Day when I returned home, um, I know I will... I will no longer be an alcoholic, and it's only because of you. And that's what started my road, but I still didn't have a personal spirit-filled relationship, you know? I came back to the house. I was changed. I, um, uh, the marriage worsened because I was no longer predictable. My husband was still drinking. I wasn't. I tried going to church. That didn't work because by the time I got home from church, he would already be um, mousy, you know, discrediting. And we had children, and I didn't want to hear them hear that. You know, I wanted them to start going to Sunday school and all that stuff, you know. And so I gave it up. I just, I couldn't do both. Yeah. But I made an agreement with God. This was something that was kind of odd. I said, God, I know you'll protect me. But if he ever crosses the line that I draw, that'll be my sign from you to leave him. This is the lie that I believe. But I really think the enemy was telling me this. Because what happened was, oh, about um, three months down the road, he did cross that line and I did leave him. 
And what I found as a single mom now, trying to go to a church, I thought I finally had the freedom now to go to church and grow that way. Um, I couldn't find a church that would accept me as uh, someone that left their husband who wasn't cheating on them. Uh. You see? And so I was discouraged in that. Uh, Oddly enough, though, when I left my husband, he found a church and he started going to it. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it's really ironic. He started banging on my apartment door, quoting scriptures to get me to come back. (laughs) And God has a sense of humor in the midst of all that, you know. And uh, to make a long story short, I ended up, we did end up back together. We did end up remarrying. And um, the enemy totally kept attacking us in one way or another to break us up again. And when he saw that wasn't working, then he worked on our children. Mm-hmm. And this is how my relationship and my husband's relationship changed with the Lord in that um, one of our sons ended up a heroin addict. And I and he was young. He was only uh, 17, 18, oh, wow. you know, and um, when I speak around the world at conferences or at small meetings, I tend to say it was the best thing that happened to our family because it brought us into a spirit-filled relationship with the Lord. Oh. We came to a point where, where we were at rock bottom ourselves. I started to uh, realize that there was something um, missing in our prayer life, something missing. And the third place our son ended up going to for recovery was a very spirit-filled, charismatic uh, rehab in Nevada that was a working ranch. And the pastors there were spirit-filled. And we got exposure to what it was all about we were um clueless prior to that to the holy spirit and the power and authority that went with having that type of uh relationship with the lord and trust and just the idea of believing what the word of god said and then saying it forth decreeing and declaring it as a promise and as a um weapon in in spiritual warfare battle you know yes i mean if you're not around spirit-filled charismatic people you don't hear that kind of conviction and confidence and power and authority in a prayer or just in a regular declaration right and so we had to believe the lord would you know heal our son which he did but then in the meantime then our next son ended up being on the missing persons list oh wow for about three years and so once again we had to um look at the word of god decree and declare the word of god and believe it and what worked for me is a scripture that many listeners know you know uh the one out of jeremiah you know i've given plans to Mm -hmm. not to harm you but you know (laughs) 29 11 Twenty-nine, eleven, right? But you got to read twelve. <laughs> but you got to read the rest of it. Yep. <laughs> and in our case, with our son being missing and us not knowing where he was, if you read through verse fourteen, it says, "And I will bring you back from where I sent you." 
Mm. And I would get in my car every day and repeat that verse and thank God that one day he would bring them back, you know? And it was powerful because that kept me um, assured that God was in control of it all from beginning to end, you know? And then one day I came across, right about this time is when I really started getting introduced to different authors and speakers. Uh And one of them was Dutch Sheets. And he had a book on intercessory prayer in which he states, never pray for God to change a person and whine to God about them being an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever. He said, when you pray a prayer like that, where you go, oh, God, take away their addiction. And we do that. We've all done that, right? Yes. But this is what I want the listeners to hear. Because when you pray like that, you're putting that person in bondage to an identity that God didn't give them. In God's eyes, they're not the addict. True. Because God sees things from the end to the beginning. He sees the finished work. He knows what that person's destiny is. So when you have a, a husband, son, or daughter that is an alcoholic or a drug addict and you're praying that kind of prayer... You're labeling them the way Satan labeled them. So we started changing our prayer for our son. And we started, um, instead of saying, oh, God, take away that addiction, we started praying, thank you, Lord, that he is alive. Thank you that he is a productive member of society. Thank you that he has food in his stomach and a roof over his head. And uh, (laughs) it's a... You know, amazing how when we did finally get back in touch with him, he had been working off and on. He had housing off and on. You know, he he had been, God had been sustaining him despite the sin that he was in and the mess he was in. You know, he was still alive. There was no hatred towards us, no anger towards us. You know, it, it was a very interesting situation and he is back in our life by the way that's good he's been back in our life clean and sober for about 10 years now praise god so you know yeah so uh both of our sons are clean and sober and um it's a wonderful thing but in the midst of all that i had put so much faith and trust and verbally into god that i started getting asked to uh speak at different groups I started going on the mission field. I've been to Africa, many African countries, uh, Asian countries, um, Dominican Republic. um, I've I've just been all over, and I've always shared that aspect of people don't pray powerful prayers because they don't know their identity in Christ. And that makes total sense. And what was the name of the author? Dutch what? Dutch Sheets. How do you spell his last name? S-H-E-E-T-S. Okay, just like it sounds. So Dutch Sheets. Mm-hmm. And that makes total yeah. sense. Because, you know, when I'm praying for my daughter, what I've been noticing, I've been, I haven't been praying. I've, I've been noticing myself praying different, like what you're saying. I've been praying uh-huh. about, Lord, thank you 
for, you know, where she's at. Thank you that she's going to have a heart after you. Thank you for it. So I'm, I'm kind of like prophetically saying out what she's already right. going to be. So think them as if it already was like it already was. And that makes total sense. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners right now that have done what we've done, you know, in our prayers. And, you know, we can bind um, certain things and we can declare it. That's important. But, you know, some of our listeners might be asking for help with certain things. I, I have to be real careful when I'm ill. Um not allowing the illness being a part of who I am when I'm praying. It's not your identity. Right. right. And, and I've, I've been more conscientious of that for some reason. And now with you oh. speaking it, it just uh, makes total sense on why. Okay, I can so share a testimony on that. I was born premature. I, I was born um, two and I only weighed two and two ounces. And I was in and out of the hospital for my first two years of life. I had uh, 11 pneumonia. Okay, so I was always raised believing that, oh, yeah, I'm a, I have weak lungs. I'm a sickly person, right? Well, it was an identity that God didn't give me. But I didn't realize that. And I always would just label myself as having weak lungs and, you know, twice a year or so I'd, I'd get uh, lung issues and boy, if I ever got bronchitis, I had to watch out because it would go into pneumonia, stuff like that. Well, about, what was it, five years ago, I was in the mission field in the Philippines on a little island and um, it was our third night in this one village and we went to a village, we were on a little island we went on another, we went to another village that was on the other side of the island. And as we always did, we would walk house to house and invite people to come to the event that night that would be in the open out in the middle of the town. And um, you could just sense the demonic presence in that village. It was strong. And um, we had a really good night, though, with ministry and whatnot. But then in the middle of the night, I felt something as I was rolling over that I could just feel it in my lungs and kind of traveling through my body. But I said, I'm not, instead of rebuking it, I rolled over and said, I'm not going to let this worry me. And I went back to sleep. I got up that morning and went to breakfast. I'm having breakfast with the pastor and the team. By the time I said, I think I'm getting a fever. By the time we were done with breakfast, they had to carry me to my room. Wow. That's how quick this hit me. To make a long story short, I spent hours and hours with an IV on a table in a room that was supposedly a medical clinic. <laughs> they didn't have a hospital or anything. Right. I did that for two days. I did that, and I wasn't any better, and then... They left, the team left to go on, and I stayed at the hotel we were staying at. It was uh, decided between my husband and me, stay there another couple days and then fly home. So while I was there, I encountered God in a way I'd never before, never before. And what got revealed to me was I had to repent for believing the lie that I was a sickly person with weak lungs. That was not the identity God had given me. 
And here I'm in my 50s, right? Right. And all my life I had allowed that to be part of my identity. And when that got revealed to me, um, it was amazing uh, communication time in the spirit with God. But what came out of that was he's so merciful. Mm. He said, I want you to get up and go in the hotel swimming pool. And I didn't even know how I was going to walk down three flights of stairs, let alone get into the swimming pool, right? But what transpired out of that was when I dove into that pool and I came back up out of the pool, I breathed in the Ruach HaKodesh. And that was a reenactment of going through the birth canal. Wow. So that I no longer could physically say that was my identity, being mm-hmm. a weak, premature, sickly kid with bad lungs. Mm. And I have not had any lung issues since then. I have not had anything close to that happen to me again. But there was so much more to that testimony because I ended up, you know, staying in that hotel another couple days before I could get transportation to get off the island to get to the Manila airport. There was a man on that property of the hotel that had seen me in passing with the group and I was well enough to go to breakfast and he sat down. He was a young man from England. He was at a turning point in his life where all his life he had been identified as a supermodel. Wow. And he was going to leave it because he was disgusted with what was happening in that world. Right. But but what happened was I had a whole conversation at breakfast with him. I was put there by God as a result of my illness that I had, right? Oh yeah, Dustin And his girlfriend had a headache, so she stayed in bed that day, and he came and had breakfast, and we sat together. Well, God had been speaking to that young man through visions and discernment to the point that he didn't know anything about spiritual warfare. He didn't know anything about being filled with the Spirit. He didn't know, but he was so far advanced in what God was telling him that it was God wooing him back to himself Mm. and wooing him into a ministry because this man was having downloads from God that the average Christian wouldn't know what to do with. And he wasn't even, you know, at that time walking with the Lord, right? But he said, I thought I was going insane. Because what happened, I shared my, he asked why I was there and not with the group. And I shared what happened in the pool and everything. And he felt comfortable enough to then open up about what he was seeing in the world and in the spirit realm. It was amazing. And for me, that made it all 
uh, that was my purpose to yeah. go through all that. Isn't that amazing? Part, like we can always part be. Part was for me. Part was for him. Absolutely, and God knew that. You know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We are getting so close to the end, and I'm wondering. I was sitting here thinking while you were talking, and I want to have uh-huh. you pray over us. You know, and in part, I'm thinking that you know, imparting on us as listeners the ability to catch ourselves when we're praying for loved ones or for certain things that it that our spirit will be quickened as oh I shouldn't say it that way you know what I'm saying I need to pray this way um could you pray that over us and impart that over us that would be wonderful thank you so much for your time today sure sure thank you all right so father god we come to you now and we're just so thankful and blessed to be a part of your family, uh, to know that we have been given all power and authority and that life and death is in the tongue, Father God. Your word says that. So, Father God, we ask that you would um, touch the listeners out there when they're praying or when they're speaking, that there there would be a hesitancy before they speak, that there would be a knowing in their knower that, oh, I shouldn't say that, or, oh, that's not of you, God, or, oh, Jesus. that doesn't have any life in it, but only death. Yes. So, Father God, I thank you that we would be changed in the way we think, talk, and pray towards others, but also with us. May we grow in knowing our identity in Christ, yes. not just reading the Word, but applying the Word to our life and to our speech, Father God. We thank you in advance for what you're doing in us and in our sphere of influence, Father God. May your word flow. May it become alive, and may it bring life wherever we are. May we be a reflection of your light and life to those in this dark world, but may it begin in us. We thank you, Lord, and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your promises are yes and amen, that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Father God, we love you, we praise you, and we bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And you know, um, Michelle, can you go ahead and yes. share how someone might be able to get a hold of you if they wanted to message you on Facebook? Oh, okay. Um, uh, you could uh, message me at um, Bob and Michelle Wright. That's the name on Facebook. It's Michelle with one L. Okay. Uh, my email is I am for Kenya at gmail.com. Okay. Perfect. So yeah. if there's anybody Thank that you. wants to hear more, um, I'm, I'm, I know that um, Evangelist Michelle would be more than willing to answer any questions that you have. Thank you so much for tuning in today. God bless you. Thank, Thank you, you, Michelle. Bye. Thank you for listening to this edition of Blossoms of My Life Radio. This program is listener-supported. To contact Ramona regarding donations, sharing your God story, or requests about her book, you can write to Ramona, Ramona Trevino, P.O. Box 22731, Bakersfield, California, 93309. That's P.O. Box 22731, Bakersfield, California, 93309. Her website is the letter I, the letter M, dauntless.org. That's I am dauntless.org. 
Her email is Ramona at BlossomsOfMyLife.org. That's Ramona at BlossomsOfMyLife.org. This program is a production and sponsored by Blossoms of My Life Radio Ministry and through listeners like you. And in closing, we just want to remind you to remember to see and be a blossom in someone's life.